Hey guys, my name is Peter, and I hope you're doing awesome today. Today we're going to talk about uh, the 12 spies um, that were sent out by God into the promised land right before when Israel was right before the promised land while being in the Exodus. And so today we're going to be looking at number 13. Guys, I'm so excited. Um, there's so much in this Torah portion about God's promises, trials, um, as well as um, our children and our loved ones and how our loved ones the people who we care for come into play when we talk about God's promises and life in general, because this is the whole story about the Exodus. It's about promises, but it's also incredibly applicable to our lives as believers. There's a lot of the stuff in here we can apply to our daily life um, so we can understand God's character more, understand God's heart more so that we don't make the same mistakes that the Israelites do, because guys, I'm going to tell you right now, if you do not study the Torah, if you don't understand the Torah, you're going to make the same mistakes the Israelites did in the wilderness. And so that's why we're looking at this today. We're going to this is going to make us more like Yeshua. This is all about walking more like Yeshua, because if we we cannot, you cannot walk as Yeshua without understanding your father's heart. And because Yeshua was able to walk the way he walked, not because he did X, Y and Z and did a checklist. He didn't have a checklist with them. And this is how he did it. It wasn't about just following a bunch of rules. It's rather about understanding his. He understood his father so well. He loved his father so well. And so because of that place of love, he did what his father father desired of him. And when you do what your father desired, it's not a, it's not a, a checklist now. Now it's something like, hey, Lord, I love you. And now because I love you and understand what you want and understand your heart, understand all that. Now I can do that out of a natural place, not of, out of compulsion, but because I want to. All right, guys, so let's dive right into Numbers 13. And you always spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. Send one man from each tribe of their fathers, everyone a leader among them. And by the mouth of Yahweh, Moses sent them out from the wilderness of Paran, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. And then when we read on here, God now lists, oh, well, Moses lists the 12 leaders that they appointed to go out and be, to be sent as spies. And each one of these leaders is from each is from a tribe. There's 12 tribes and there's a leader from each tribe who is sent out um, into the wilderness. Now, there's something um, interesting that we first off need to understand here is that God is the one who instructed Moses to do this, to to assemble these 12 men to go to be sent out as spies. Now, that's an interesting thing to note as we go along. In verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds and whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are trees or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. 
Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Now this is interesting. There's, there's two things, well, two categories of questions that, that Moses is, is asking these spies to bring back in their report. These two categories are to do, number one, with the people in that land, and number two, the land itself. So when, we, when, they, when he talks about the land, he says, I want you to tell me if it's good or bad. Is it rich or poor? Are there trees or not? And then I want you to prove what you see in that land by bringing me fruits. Prove to us. So that's why bring a fruit, bring something back so we can see for ourselves what this, how this land looks like. And if you remember, the land is the promise. The land is the very thing that God has been promising them from the way beginning. So now Moses is like, well, God tells Moses, okay, guys, I want you to now go and look at this promise. Go and see whether this, what I've been promising you is true or not. And God gives these requirements that needs to be brought back. And then second, the second category is he wants to know about the people in that land. And more specifically, he wants to know, are they strong or weak? Few or many, are they in camps or strongholds? So now these are the people that the category, if you will, or it's all about them. Or is it a lot? Is not a lot? How strong are they? Because they know this is what we're going to be going up against. This is the trial. This, this um, piece of this whole picture. So Moses inquires of two things. He inquires of the promise. He first wants to know about the land and then he inquires about the trial. What, what is going to need to happen? What are we facing? What is this mountain that we are facing when we go to possess this promise? And these are two things that these are things that God has actually brought forth. He, he comes and presents them with he says, go and determine what the trial is and go and determine what the promise is. All right. And then we read on 23. And they came to the valley of Eshcol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. This is awesome, guys. So first off, they get into land and they actually found a cluster of grapes so huge. Guys, listen, this is so huge, this cluster of grapes. I don't know how big, probably like this big, um, that they have to like get two poles with men and and tie them to that those poles. And this is the, the, the hugeness of the grapes that they found. And then he says at the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they say, told them him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It indeed flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Now, guys, just imagine this, you know, the after 40 days, the people, they, the spies have been gone, but now they're coming back and the, the camp, the people, they're, they're coming all together. They look, look, they're, they're back, they're back, they're back. And, and here comes the 12 um, spies and they carry like this, 
this thing with the huge cluster of grapes on it. And they say, and they come and say, they say, guys, we have come back from the land. It is flowing with milk and honey, just like the father has promised in the first place. And here is some proof for you. This is the fruit of that very land. And all the people are like, yes, yeah, praise God, praise the Lord. And then the, the spies go, no, but wait, there's something else. There's something I need, we need to add to this. And they go and they say, However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But again, Caleb quieted the people before Moses said, let us go up at once and occupy for we are well able to overcome it. Then the people who had gone up with him said, but, but guy, dude, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through, the, through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed them. So they come back and they say, guys, but, 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 but there's this one thing that we need to say. And there's these, there are these giants in the land. They've got these huge fortified walls and cities. And guys, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. It is a land that devours its inhabitants. In other words, they're saying, guys, this is a promise. This land, it's been a promise. It's been God promised it to us. But guys, this promise is way too big for us. This promise is above our pay grade. And so in Numbers 14, verse 3 here, we actually get to the root issue in their hearts. There, there's something very specific that, that actually drove up this fear within them. Because guys, I mean, these people, they've been through... I mean, the sea with the, the, the I mean, the, the sea that was split for them, you know, with the Egyptians, they've been through, they saw great miracles, pillars of fire by night and a cloud by day, which they followed through the wilderness. They saw all these incredible miracles. But yet now when they saw this again, their heart grows weary and they're like, but guys, but guys, what about our children? You see here in Verse three says, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And see the issue here is they say, what about our wives? What about our children? They're concerned about their families. And you know, a lot of us today, guys, let's be honest. When God calls you, when God promises you something incredible, he say, he promises you something huge. And when you go out to possess it, but you see there's a huge challenge that will endanger your very family, your very two year old boy, your six month year old daughter. This, 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 this promise of God is amazing, but there is a trial that stands in front of it. And when you saw that trial, all you could think of is your little child. All you could think of is your wife, your stability, your nice apartment, your nice home, your nice secure job, your 
whatever it is, something you care deeply for, is, is being threatened by this trial that stands around this promise. But see, there's a great deception because what you fail to understand is that God has always been the one who took care of your family. God has always been the one who has been providing. You have never been in charge. It's a deception from the enemy to think that I have been providing for my family. It is a deception. You have not been the provider for your family. Even if you have no job, no income, nothing. God will provide for your family. He is the one who provides. Even in your job, who gave you that job? Even in your, you know, in everything you have, who gave you that? To think that, oh, I worked hard for it, that's why we have it, is the biggest deception ever. And here it's the same thing. They think that they're the ones looking after their family. They think that they have been the ones who've been looking after their family, protecting their family. It's such a deception. God has always been the one to protect their family because God cares more for our families and everything and for us than we do. He cares more. His mercy is more. His grace is more. His goodness is more. His love is more. He is more. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jehuphanah, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are brave for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord with us. Do not fear them. And they're repeating themselves because it's important. The issue here is unbelief in God. You see, when they, they had fear in their hearts and this, the root of this fear is an unbelief in God. Because if they truly believed in God, there would be love. Because love casts out all fear. And when they have love, there's no fear. They, they, if they had belief, there would be no fear. But see, they had fear. One of the greatest sins that we can live in is fear. Did you know that a lot of our sicknesses today, when we deal with healing disease and, and stuff, when I'd counsel people, one of the biggest issues that, 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 that cause sickness is fear. People who live in fear towards anything that, that's going on in their life or, or constant stress, because the issue is unbelief in God. If you truly believed in God, you will not have fear. You will not have stress. Even if the giants are right, standing right in front of you, even if you are like David facing Goliath, you will not have fear because the, you will have such a belief in your father that there won't be any fear within you. And then we see Moses now coming before the Lord and he's like, oh, Lord, these people, Lord, they, they don't know what they're saying, Father. And he says, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love for the sake of your love, he says. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. 
Then the Lord said, I've pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of these men, none of these men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice. None of them shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers and none of those who despise me shall see it because of their families, because they cared for their families more than they cared for what God has commissioned them to do and what God has promised them. Because of that, they lost the promised land. God prohibited them from inheriting the promised land because they cared more for their mother, brother, sister, family, and they care for the Lord. And that, and that sounds so familiar. Yeshua said, whoever is not willing to deny his mother, brother, sister, family, he's not worthy to be my disciple. You see, there's nothing new. The, the father even here told him, listen, if you're not willing to lay everything down, including your family for me, don't even, don't even think of following me because you're not worthy. The only those who, are, who put me above all else is worthy to follow me above all else because anything else is idolatry the moment you lift anything above god anyone above god that's idolatry you see and guys i understand this is a hard one because our families is, is god has given us a great love for them a great care for them especially children our children you know but at the same time it, it can, we can easily lift our wives, lift our children above the father. And see, guys, what is important to understand here is that God has been, this has all been a test. Because in the way beginning, God is the one who told them to send the spies out to go and see what the trial will be and go and see what the promise will be. The spies came back, reported to the, the people and the people's hearts failed them. See, God tested them because God knew what he, he was like. He was going to be, he was like, okay, I've done all these miracles. I've shown myself. I've revealed myself. I've revealed my love for them. Now I'm going to see if where their hearts are at. I'm going to present them the promise. I'm going to confirm this promise that I've promised them from the beginning. But I'm also going to show them the, a trial. I'm also going to show them what, what, is gonna, what they're going to face to get to that promise. But see, there's, there's a catch, guys. Because this very trial is not really a trial at all. Because if you know your God, if you truly know your God, and if you have experienced his love, if you've experienced how he comes through for you and does a miracle for you, then you will see he is the one who faces your trials. Guys, the people of Israel, the children of Israel, they wouldn't need to face any of the giants alone. God is going to do it for them. That's what's going to happen, man. Just like David faced Goliath who was a giant, they're going to face these giants, but God is going to be the one who be who's like, get out of my way. Boom, destroys them. And now the people of Israel can come in, but they did not trust him. They did not believe that he will do a miracle again. Now I'm telling you today, listen, if God did a miracle for you in your past, will he not do it again? And who, how can we, how can we think that God will not do it again? How can we doubt in what he has done for us in the past? How can we doubt in that? Will he not do it again? And will he not do it greater? And see, guys, where we are going as a world, we're going to face a greater exodus one day. One day we're going to face, we're going to go through the same kind of thing that they went through. But as Revelation said, it's going to be a tribulation that the world has never seen before. Persecution the world has never seen before. And what will you do then? Will you hold on to the promise that God has promised? 
Will you hold on to what he has done for you in this present age? Or will your heart fail you because you're too afraid for your children and, and, and wife and, 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 and for yourself? And guys, you know what the most amazing thing is about this whole story? Is that, you know, God had the full right right now to just be like, you know what, these people, this is about, this is the 10th time. He actually mentions this is the 10th time that this has happened. This is the 10th time that these people have rebelled against me in this way. And he, and God had the full right to just be like, you know what, Israel, I'm done with you. You know, what? I'm gonna, I can find myself a different people who will follow me. But what, what he did even through all of this is he's like, you know what, I'm not going to allow you to enter the promised land. But you know what, the very children that you cared for so much, I'm going to allow. I'm going to care for them still. And they will enter the promised land. You see, the Israelites were like so afraid for the, for the sake of their children. But even through this, when God denied them the promised land, God still in, he loved all of them so much, both the parents and the children, that he still honored that desire. And even still, guys, even still, he allowed those children to enter into the promised land. But your little ones who you said would become a prey, I will bring in. And they shall know the land that you have rejected. And guys, it's, it's quite crazy because in the beginning of, of Numbers 13, we God, he actually lists and he says, so these are the 12 people that's part of the, the, the 12 spies. And he, he lists them in accordance with their tribe, right? 12 tribes, 12 people, the leaders of the tribes, and he sends them out. And he gives, gave us the names to give us a statistic I want to submit to you. Because right here, the father says, the men who brought up a bad report of the land died by a plague before the Lord. Of those men who went to spy out the land, only Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jehoshaphat, remained alive. So now we have a statistic. Only two out of the twelve. Two out of the twelve men were the only ones who remained alive. Who were the only ones who were like, you know what, guys? God has been with us. He will not forsake us. God, we, how can we fear? God is for us. Who can be against us? That's what they said, you know. And, and so only two out of the twelve. And, and doesn't this just link in? The Lord said, the way is narrow. The path is narrow and few will find it. Only two of the twelve leaders here were like, guys, we need to do this. And so, guys, I want to encourage you. Listen, even though everyone tells you, even though, I mean, how hard must it have been here? Everyone is like, I mean, we're talking about like hundreds of thousands of people. They're like, guys, we can't go here. The people are going to kill us. We, our children, our women, what about that? Oh, no, what are we going to do? And these two people, these two spies are like, guys, no. The Lord has been with us, you know. How can we, how can he forsake us? How hard must that be? So even in the midst of everyone else, even those who confess that they're believers, even in the midst of that, you need to stand strong. Even in the midst of that, you need to hold on to the promise of God. Even when everyone else tells you, don't do this, you're, 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 you're putting your family at risk. Don't do this, you're, you're, you, what about this, what about that, all of these carnal things. Don't worry about, you know, God will have grace on you. He will have mercy on you. You know, God won't. That's exactly how I'm going to submit to you that I did here. The people like, oh, you know, God won't. He won't do anything, you know, but we, we can't do this. God is not mocked, guys. 
And so there's an interesting twist to the story. You know, after all of this, after the Lord has spoken this Israel, they realize, oh man, we made a huge mistake. We have sinned. And then they go and they say, oh, you know what? Okay, no, no, no. We're, we're going to go to that land. We're going to go now. Okay. And, and we say, and it says that and rose up early in the morning and went to the heights of the hill country saying, here we are. We will go up to the place that the Lord has promised for we have sinned. But Moses said, why now are you transgressing the command of the Lord when that will not succeed? And then what follows is they go up into the land which the Lord has promised them for their possession and they get utterly defeated because the Lord was not with them. The Lord did not. Was, it actually says in the scriptures that the, taber, the tabernacle of Moses was, was remained there. It was not that the people left that the people went alone and they run, ran after the promise of God without God's guidance out of God's timing because God said listen guys now if you want to go go they didn't want to they rebelled they said no and then the Lord withdrew himself and then he's the Lord said okay now I'm not going to give this land to you anymore but only your children and then they said no 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 okay we, we don't worry we're going to the land don't we, we don't worry and then they went into the land and then they got defeated because again they transgressed the command of the Lord you can't go now and change your mind you're either obedient to God or you're not there's no in between there's no uh, okay, you know, maybe we can, maybe not. There's no lukewarmity. You see, this what, what we're reading right here is the definition of a lukewarm believer. Someone who's like, hmm, I'm not sure if I should be obedient to God. You know, and then the curse of God comes and they're like, oh, maybe I should be obedient to God just as once. And then we, the, the, the sea gets split. And then again, we're like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't be obedient to God. And then... This and that happens and we're and we're in this state of this lukewarm state of where we're either, we're not hard or cold. We're just kind of going with the flow. We're not on fire. And guys, this is what, exactly what was going on with the children of Israel. They weren't on fire from God. They were just like, hey, uh, kind of going with the flow. And Moses is here and he's just trying to get them on fire. He's just trying to tell them, hey, guys, let's just believe for once. Let's just follow God for once. Let's just do this. Everything we have, let's give to God. Let's run after the thing. Let's not worry about anything. But the people just won't get on fire and they lost their inheritance. They lost the promise. They lost the promised land because of that lukewarmness. And in the same way, Yeshua echoes this when he says, I tell you, if you're lukewarm, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. You're neither hot nor cold. And because of that, I will spit you out of my mouth. Is what he said. And right here, even before Yeshua came, God has spit them out of his mouth. He rejected them. He did not allow them to inherit the promised land. So guys, what are the lessons in this story? Number one, trials are an illusion. God always fights for you. And what I mean by that is when you face a trial, it's not really a trial for you. It's it's not real. It's a deception in itself, because you then if you consider a trial, a trial for yourself, then you've got you. You have fear. You have unbelief. You do not believe that God is the one who's actually going to face that giant with for you. That God is going to face Goliath for you. You don't understand. You don't trust him. And so you need to understand the trials that the trials that the enemy throws your way. It's just merely an illusion. It's mere, and, but you know, if you believe that trial is for you and immediately in the belief of, of that, you're actually taking that trial upon yourself. You're actually taking that burden upon yourself, just like the Israelites did. They took the burden upon themselves and they faced the burden alone without God. And in that, they were defeated. They failed utterly. 
Trials are an illusion because there's no such thing as a trial when you're with God. Who can be against us? What can be against us? And if you think something can be against you, brother, you are an unbelief. And you need to repent from that. You need to give God your trial. You need to give God your mountain so that he can do the miracle for you. But he cannot do it if you keep facing this thing alone and keep pushing out him out. Keep just going and, and facing this thing alone. Leaving the tabernacle of God behind. Leaving God behind. Number two, do not prioritize anything above God. If you prioritize anything, even your wife or children above God, that is idolatry. There is no space for that in the kingdom of God. We God comes first and then it's God and then it's God and then it's God and then it's God. It's not God, then, then your wife, then your children or whatever. It doesn't work like that. It's God. That's it. And when you seek first the kingdom of God, the rest will fall into place. You don't have to worry about anything else because God is the one who provides for your family, who looks after them, who cares for you, who provides for you, who enables you, who guides you, who defeats for you. So guys, don't lift anything above him because he is God. He is the creator. God has always been and will always be the one caring for your children. You have not been the one keeping them, this, them safe. He has been the one doing it. If he withdrew himself from you, your children, your family will utterly be destroyed. He has been the one. His mere presence has been the one who has cared for you and your family. And lastly, number three, the way is narrow. Only two out of the twelve spies had the boldness, the trust and the faith in God to actually believe what God promised them in the beginning. Now, I want to I want to encourage you. I want to I want to challenge you. Believe what the Father has promised us from the beginning. He has promised us health in the beginning. He has said, if you keep my instructions, if you follow what I have laid out for you, if you delight in me and do that, then I will bless you. I will bless you with good health. I will bless you in your coming and in your going. You will not have curses on your life. But listen, if you do not do what I say, if you depart from my instructions, if you go and do what seems right to a man and not what is right in my and to me, then you will have curses come upon you, not because I don't love you, but because you have departed from my protection. Because you have departed from what my desire from you, because you have gone and faced giants alone, I and you have not done it with me, those giants will defeat you. So, so wait for my instruction, follow my instruction, wait on me and let me face those giants with you. Give me authority in your life and then I will destroy your enemies before you. Guys, may God bless you and keep you. This is an incredible message and, and and praise God for this this the story of the 12 spies and may you when you receive a bad report from a doctor when you receive a bad report from your workplace your job that you just got fired or or from or from a relationship when you receive a bad report from a family member or whatever the case is man may you reply that bad report with truth because the truth is, as that the father will indeed fulfill what he has promised you in the beginning. He will indeed honor your desires if you delight yourself in him. 
And God bless you and keep you. May he shine his face upon you, lift his countenance up upon you. And may he give you strength and blessing in this week. And guys, thank you so much for sticking through. Share this video with someone. I'll see you in the next video.